Welcome to the Chicano Mundo Podcast. I am your host, Siggy Jimenez. First and foremost, I would like to give a big shout out to everyone who downloaded and listened to the first episode. We had listeners from all over the country, Fairwood, Washington, Compton, Calipas, Columbus, Ohio, Miami, Florida. A big shout out to Frank Moreno from El Paso, Texas. Thank you. Lena Morales from Houston, Texas. Thank you, Cristina Montoya and Arthur from Denver, Colorado. I'm going to buy your book on Amazon, The Sacred Roots of Ophelia Rosa. Gracias for the support. Gracias for the feedback. I truly appreciate it, and we're going to keep the energy flowing. And on the first episode, I mentioned the buildup, the buildup before the Pachucos and Pachuca culture. I started digging in deeper into this point in time. And the more I read about it, the more angry I got. And not angry because it happened. Sad, I truly empathize with, with what happened to my people, to the Mexican people. But I'm angry because this is not covered in history class. And if it is, there's half a page that's dedicated to it. I remember when I was in high school, I think I briefly came upon it on a page. And after I flipped a page, that was it. And given the complexity and the extent of the matter, this deserves way more dedication than half a page. Because the way they treated American citizens, what they did to them is so unconstitutional and it goes against any of our rights that we rightfully have. This episode, this time period is called the Mexican Repatriation. And I could go into how we should change the name because it's not a repatriation. It's a depatriation. But just as the historical context and what what the name is, we'll just keep it at that for now, anyways. But the Mexican repatriation started shortly after the Great Depression. And the Great Depression started because in 1929, the stock market crashed. And shortly after, businesses were lost. Many people lost jobs. People started putting, pulling money out of the banks. The banks just flipped upside down. The country went broke. A complete opposite of the Roaring Twenties. And in the 1920s, everything was booming. And I, I mean everything. Culture, music, jobs. America was, was running on four cylinders. And the Mexican population was booming as well. Mexicans were all over the U.S. from Califas to Indiana. And at that time, in great Indiana, Mexicans surpassed European immigration. European immigrants. And throughout that region, the steel mill companies had about like 1,700 Mexican um, workers. 
they were employed at these steel mills. And this is, this is like interesting to me. This is like new information. I never knew Mexicans were traveling out there and had these pockets of communities in these areas and had jobs, jobs that could put you up into the middle class. You always hear about Mexicans getting these low end jobs, you know, picking fruits and working in the farms. Never about working in these steel mills out in the, you know, North Midwest region. These these areas that help like build the infrastructure of America, they have a play in it. They had a play in building railroads. So, you know, you hear about European migrants coming in, spreading and flourishing. Mexicans were side by side and they had a major role in building America, which I am deeply proud and and humbled by it. We've been here. We've been putting it down. So they were present throughout the whole country and then the Great Depression hits. And what better way to distract the reason for it than to find a scapegoat? They started to attack Mexicans. And when you attack a certain group of people for the country's downfall, we've seen what happened in Germany in the 1930s and the 40s. We know where it could lead. And granted, thankfully, here in America, it didn't go that far, but... They started throwing rhetorics uh, about Mexicans. They rhetorics like, you know, Mexicans are taking all the jobs. Mexicans are sucking up the welfare system. Laws are being passed. Laws that will find businesses for hiring Mexicans. So these businesses didn't even bother looking through applications. If you had like a Spanish last name, you're definitely not getting hired. You're you're not being you're not being looked at. You're just being overlooked. Campaigns and slogans started popping up. For example, real jobs for real Americans, whatever the fuck that means. But this fueled, this fueled, this, this fueled this hatred and, and the atrocities that they created during this decade. And during, during the early stages of the Mexican repatriation, um, they were very subtle on how they got Mexicans to leave. They would do these mock drafts or these mock raids and then, um, you know, pick up like 10, 15 people and put it on newspaper and it will send fear through the community and people start being scared. But then they would, would go down the welfare list, find Spanish names, send people to persuade them to leave. They would tell them that it's better to leave now where you could pack your things and say goodbye to your family than being out there and getting deported. The government provided the train tickets and they were sent on their way. And I can only imagine the fear that would, that this would put on the community. You don't want to put your family through all this trauma of being separated and deported and not saying goodbye. And there was no major pushback or help from anyone in the political sphere during this time. Both Democrats and Republicans shared the same interests. They all wanted the Mexican to be repatriated. 
They worked deals with Mexico. It was very strategic the way they did this shit. And, you know, as the, you know, Great Depression carried on, they started do, doing raids in the barrios. Raids like on February 26, 1931. In the Mexican barrio, hundreds were chilling on a Sunday at a park, the shit that we do. When suddenly, officers entered with guns and batons. They blocked the entrance, brought dozens of flatbed trucks, and started to round up people with brown skins. They asked for documents, proof of citizens, which many did not provide. Who the fuck carries the birth certificate on them? And, you know, up to 400 people were loaded up and tr on trucks and sent to Mexico, either by train or just dropped off at the border. With, with no due process, no chances, no chances to say goodbye. Um, you know, many were citizens with no ties to Mexico. And now they're in the land where they don't know the language. And they don't know anyone with nothing but their clothes on their back. And then the raids started getting more, more crazy. They started raiding hospitals. They literally wielded people in on the wheelchairs onto trucks and then dropping them off. Like here in Califas, LA region, that shit's only two hours away. So literally, they'll pick them up and in a day, they'll send them down. And this is... This is an ugly side of U.S. history. A, a lot of citizens went through this. It is estimated that up to 1.8 million people of Mexican descent were repatriated. 60% of them were citizens. And, and it's just wild to me that this happened and we do not know about it. Americans like Emiliana uh, Castaneda was a child at the time did not know what was going on only to find herself in a new land where she had to sleep outside with her brothers and dads and dad and she had to quit school and she didn't know the language and she had to get a job to help the family out so they wouldn't sleep outside um and not only that it took her nine years until she could get back into the U.S. when they found her birth certificate. And, and I hope this is not repeated. I don't think it is, but, you know, shit could get crazy haywire and who knows. During that time, Mexicans only made up 10% of the welfare system. And the deportation of them did more harm than it did good for whatever their cause might be. By deporting so many of them, they left behind families who now have to get on the welfare system because the breadwinner was illegally deported, which is a crime against humanity and a spit on the constitutional rights of many Americans. To this day, America has not apologized for these outlandish acts against Mexican-American citizens. And California has apologized with the Apology Act that passed on January 1st, 2006, 70 years after the facts of 
illegally deporting more than 400,000 citizens in that state. And in, in 2013, they passed the law, which requires schools to teach this dark side of U.S. history, which is the right thing to do. And I hope that this is taught in every school throughout the country and people from every background can learn about this, not just Mexicans in a Chicano study class, because this is far more than Chicano history. This is American history. So thank you for listening. This is a Chicano Mundo podcast. I'm not going to put no outro music on this one today. And I will see you next week. Arato.